Well, morning blessings, Anthem. Aren't you thankful for the worship team? Yeah. And the setup team? You know what time the guys get here to set things up? What do you think? 6.30 in the morning. We have yet to figure out how to just say, Siri, set up the chairs. <laughs> Isn't quite working. My good friend Nathan, who leads us, I always know when he's here because he drives the Italian land assault vehicle, this glowing blue Fiat. It's great. Welcome to the old school of speaking notes or use of paper. Who remembers the last time I talked? Very few. Okay, so I can tell my joke again. The reason I use paper is because in Idaho, we pay people to cut down trees. So I'm just supporting the local economy. <laughs> I am pleased to be with you today. Thanks for your flexibility last week. That's part of Anthem being real. People get sick. We can't just make our production on our own might. Don't you just marvel at Chris's ability to take three verses and talk for 40 minutes? <laughs> That's not me. Chris has these cool BFC stories. I have submarine stories from my many months underwater, which may explain why I am like I am. As a new follower of Christ, I was on the submarine and got introduced to the concept of rapture. And as we talked about the other dozen of believers while we're on a boring watch, wouldn't it be cool to be raptured from a submarine? Now realize the purpose of construction of a submarine is to keep the water out of the people tank. Okay. There's a hatch that most people go in and out of. It's about 30 inches in diameter. It's got to be big enough to get a torpedo down. That's about 700 square inches of surface area. For you divers, you know that the water pressure is 44 pounds per 100 feet. So at 100 feet, there's 44 times 700, or about 15 tons of pressure just on that hatch. And believe me, submarines go a lot deeper than 100 feet. So we always thought, wouldn't it be cool to just vanish from a submarine and see the look on the people's faces? Because you can kind of get out of an airplane if you worked at it. You can jump overboard on a ship. You can get lost in the forest. There is no excuse for how you get out of a submarine. I want to build on some things that Dan Stolbarger talked about a couple of weeks ago about the richness of the presence of Christ. Paul writes in Colossians, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Also in Romans, he says, for sin shall not be a master over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. These verses are saturated with blessings for us. Today we'll spend some time in Galatians. Paul contrasts freedom and liberty. He spends some time talking about himself. Then he has some general doctrinal issues. Then he has specifics. So I'm going to ask my fellow elder Neil to come up and read that. And you know, as introverts, 
as an introvert, I'm really thankful for Neil because I wouldn't want to run out of words before I'm done talking. Good morning. If you guys want to turn to Galatians 5, we're going to read through that. But before I do, I'm going to pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. We pray you send your spirit here to guide us as we, as we read your word, as Henry brings your message, Lord. We pray you speak through him. Please use your Holy Spirit to change our hearts. Help us to leave here knowing you more and being changed by you, Lord. In your son's name, amen. Galatians 5. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly await for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Thank you, Neil. Who wants to be in the same place a year from now that you're in now? To get to a new place, we have to change. Let's talk about how that might happen. Paul opens with, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Freedom is the American mantra. That was what we were founded on. You know, no one's going to tell me what to do. It's a free country. 
I can do what I want, wear what I want, say what I want, go where I want. How many have been trampled on by somebody else's freedom? It's not a comfortable situation. Paul addresses that later. This is an advanced message spoiler. This will be on the test. Jesus laid down his freedom for us. Paul continues in verse 1, Therefore keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. What was Paul warning these believers about? It's all these references to the law and circumcision. The law is religion. It says you have to do this. You can't do that. You have to show up at these places at these times. You have to pretend you're interested. You have to meet somebody else's expectations. The law's list is almost endless. You're not good enough. Try harder. Above all, look good. Religion or the law says we have, we're not good enough to be saved or righteous unless we follow some behaviors. And the Pharisees, Pharisees were masterful at adding requirements. So let's be aware that we don't do that. If you just could fill in the blank, you'd be an okay guy or gal. Realize it's pretty natural to feel I'm not good enough to deserve Christ. Because no one is. That's why he came. The result is we try to hide our sin as if God doesn't know about it. A writer I read named John Lynch puts it this way. Sin management is the ultimate oxymoron. We don't manage sin. We confess it. Confession is a gift from God that restores our relationship with him or with someone else. It's a gift from God. Then that Paul verse that Paul wrote in Romans, we're not under the law, but under grace. About three pages later in my Bible is Ephesians, one of my favorite passages. For by grace you've been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works that no one should boast. And verse 10 is the clincher. For he, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared in advance for us. Wrote out our to-do list. Grace doesn't say we have to. Grace says we get to. We get to enjoy the fellowship of like-minded people. We get to have the joy of obeying him. We get to walk out our design in confidence. Peter states it this way in 1 Peter. But as he who called you is holy, be holy yourselves in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. You see, our conduct doesn't make us holy. Our holiness changes our conduct. In summary, Paul is... Right, warning us not to be derailed to go back to a list of to-dos and shoulds. He goes on to talk about love. 
For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another in love. Excessive personal freedoms means my rights first. If you're hurt, well, too bad. It's my freedom to act, to say, and to be. That's freedom without love. It typically is a license or the authority to act the way I want. It's typically selfish, defensive, and prideful. Realize Christ laid down his freedoms for us. Christ laid down his freedoms for me. Christ laid down his freedoms for the world. Operating under freedom does not mean we don't have standards or boundaries. We restrict ourselves voluntarily to traffic laws, to property arrangements, to expectations of how we gather. We limit our freedoms in service to others. Freedom subject to love is part of service. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love one another. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, sorry. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you're not consumed by one another. How do we bite and devour one another? Consider what we would do if we have an offense. We can assume somebody else's motives. Well, Joe didn't show up when I asked him to because he hates me. We're assuming Joe's motive or Jill's motive, etc. What's our actions there? We can go to someone else. Do you know what she said? Do you know what she did? Do you know what they did? I heard that they said that they went. And that typically is gossip, and it really doesn't help at all. We can pray for my heart. Maybe that's an issue that I just need to forgive. It's not a big deal. You see, like confession, forgiveness is a gift of God which restores relationships. Or we can approach one another in love. We often may need wise counsel to help us work through that. You know, I observe this. Help me work through that. So those short conversations are totally legitimate, but let's commit that a hallmark of Anthem will be that we will help each other resolve those conflicts. You know, let's go together to see Joe and to talk about this rather than assume a motive and conclude a fact. Paul spends a bunch of time talking about the spirit. If we walk by the spirit, we'll not carry out the desire of the flesh this war that goes on between the spirit and the flesh. Why do we need the Holy Spirit? Well, it's because we can't change anybody. Okay, the Holy Spirit can. God can. Often the Holy Spirit will lead us to Scripture and to prayer and to prepare us that we can prepare to do His work. Jesus states the job of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. We can't do that. God has to prepare that. We can pray that 
before we have an encounter or prepare this conversation. How has this worked out practically? Paul says the deeds of the flesh are a lot of really awful things. If you need to think about those things, perhaps there's something you need to confess or something to clear up with another. Nobody I know wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to be divisive today. I'm going to be indecent. Sadly, we are. Sadly, I am. How might God get our attention? Two verses in Proverbs 27 come to mind. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. And another one we've probably heard as well. Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Here's an example of my personal correction, partly because I'm a slow learner. I had a new friend within the congregation here who prayerfully came before myself and said, you know, my behavior was not appropriate and I needed to apologize. Little, little grit on the sandpaper there. And again, because I'm a slow learner, God had another incident that I had to work through. When my shoulder was in a sling and I couldn't sleep at night, and I'd wake up in the middle of the night, I'd pray for certain things so that it would help me get back to sleep. So one night I was praying, God, help me, help us, help your, your people to hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's part of the Sermon on the Mount, for they shall see God. The next day, my best friend of 30 years confronts me with a behavior that I offended him and his wife. And at first I'm taken aback. But then realized God entrusted my heart into their hands to change me. Two days later, in, in this room, a gentleman I had met before says, you know, God had something he wanted me to tell you. He says, God has shown me that I'm going to go back into the forge to be treated and to be altered in a way to make me more resilient. Okay, forging is a violent activity. You heat the pants off stuff, and then you either pound it or pressurize it, and it actually change, changes the molecular structure uh, within the steel or the iron. It's not fun. Sharpening is a changing activity. Okay? So we have a piece of metal, and you know, it's not really useful for what God might have it, have intended it for. So we sharpen it. Get up here so you can hear this. It takes away that we're removing things in our life. In John 15, Jesus talks about pruning. He's taking away things. So discipline in Matthew is for removal of sin Pruning is for removal of self. So after the removal, 
of material. Now we have something that is a little more useful for its intended purpose. When we undergo sharpening or pruning, we often say, God can't take that. That's too close to me. He needs to remove that part of ourself. For those who are listening to the audio, I used a butter knife to try to cut paper, and then I used a sharpened hunting knife. I need to give others the permission to sharpen me. So I thank God for new friends who are willing to step out. I thank God for old friends to whom God entrusted my heart for correction. I thank God that he's not done with me and still has things planned for me. He's not finished with me yet. Where do we get trusted friends? Another spoiler alert, this will be on the test. This is why we have communities. Getting those trusted friendships can start typically in a larger group, but we don't get to the place where we can take off our mask and have confidence in the lives of others without going to a smaller group. So that's why we have communities, we have retreats, we have Bible studies, we have the biblical education. That's a smaller time to develop that trust. Realize with my friend, we've been friends for 30 years. I knew that he didn't wake up saying, you know, I'm just going to tick off my friend Henry today. No, they prayed about it for days, for weeks, to make sure their hearts were right before coming. There's part of my life that you can see. That's the public part. It's who I am. There's part of my life that I know about that I keep hidden from you. That's my private life. There's part of my life that you see that I don't see. That's a blind spot. And that's where we need each other to come and say, you know, you might not have observed this. Let's talk about that. <coughs> Our words are powerful. We don't want to just use them to blast each other. They can be used for encouragement. Let me just share this short story or account from what happened last week. Um, we had a, a, a very different service last week. Two prayer meetings at 9 and 11. It was our first time we we're going to go to two services, and hopefully most people got the information that it wouldn't be a normal. So we had small prayer meetings. Uh, at the, uh, 9 o'clock, we prayed for about an hour, took a break. More people came for 11. This is not a judgment of righteousness if you weren't there, okay? You're leading. At the second, at 11 o'clock, this couple walks in with uh, three little kids. And I approached them and said, do you get the word that we're not having? And they said, sure, that's why we're here. These three little guys sat quietly for an hour and it was a stunning example of obedience, contentment. Now, it's not a standard of righteousness for those who have kids, because I know they don't always sit still for an hour and be quiet. But for the adults there, it was a stunning example. The final part that 
Paul writes about as the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Commentator Warren Wiersbe says, the first three, love, joy, and peace, are Godward characteristics. The next three, um, patience, kindness, goodness, there are uh, manward characteristics. And then gentleness, self-control, those are self-word attributes. We've talked a lot about a number of things. How can we walk in faithfulness, in freedom, in love, and not make it an opportunity for the flesh? How can we make anthem, a hallmark of anthem, that we will help each other resolve yeah, those issues? How can we commit to deepening our trust relationships through community? But I want to leave you with one thing to remember, please. And that is, ask yourself, how can I be part of God's redemptive purpose in this situation? Now that might be we need to clear up our relationship with Jesus. Jesus wants to redeem us. If that's a part of your life that needs to be redeemed, well, come and come forward for prayer or see the person you came with. If you're in conflict, seek to redeem the relationship. If you have an encouragement, speak it to one another. One of our wise advisors has observed that Jesus said, his father's house is a house of prayer in Luke. So as we conclude, please consider if you need prayer, come forward. Someone will join you. So blessings to each of you. Thank you.